If you're listening to this recording, it's probably because you feel that the traumatic experiences you've passed through are taking over your life. If that is so, it may feel as if you can't be happy anymore, that the events are in your thoughts almost all the time. You may have nightmares about them, and even worse, perhaps you have hallucinations about them during the day, as if it's all happening again. You may even wonder whether you're going mad. Let me reassure you right away, you are not going mad. Moreover, it is possible to get treatment for this horrible condition. Before I explain what's going on in your head, I just want to dispel one other mistaken idea that people sometimes get. They see others who've been through similar experiences but who've not suffered as much. So tell themselves, I'm obviously weak. Other people don't give in like this. I should pull myself together and stop making a fuss. Such thoughts couldn't be more wrong. It's like Covid. You know how the virus can affect people differently. Of two who are equally healthy, one may shrug off the symptoms in a matter of days while the other ends up on a ventilator. It's the same with exposure to traumatic events. One person just has a few nights of bad sleep, the other ends up with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Why the differences? It's down to genes, and we can't help the genes we're born with. Scientists have only recently discovered that genes control the way our bodies fight off disease. And now they understand that, work is underway to produce tailor-made drugs, medication that's just right for that patient's particular set of genes. Some of our genes control how our brains work. So in the same way, ideally, we'd give a PTSD patient individual tailored therapy. However, if you are unable to access that right now, just as ordinary general medicines can still help, so we're going to talk you through something general that should help you. Before we go on, I have just two warnings. First, because I shall be suggesting that you try to relax and perhaps even close your eyes, it is essential that you're sitting comfortably as you listen and are not trying to do something else, such as driving a car. Secondly, for some people with PTSD, if they try to relax with eyes closed, they can easily slip into nasty memories of the things they'd rather not think about. If that describes you, there are two possible ways forward. You can try continuing to listen without allowing yourself to relax or leave the here and now. Or, much better, find a trusted companion to listen with you. If there are difficult moments, they can reach out and pat a shoulder or hold a hand or even speak to you. This will give you the assured link with reality 
whatever happens, there's someone to bring you back. I'm going to begin by telling you a bit about your brain and how it works and why brains respond the way they do when confronted with a very frightening situation. It may not seem like it at first, but I shall be explaining these things as part of the treatment. As you listen, I hope you'll find it interesting. I think the workings of the brain are amazing. I hope too that you'll begin to see how it all fits together. This normalises everything. You're not some weird person who's lost the plot. You're an ordinary fellow human being. That's why I want to help you. And your brain is just doing what brains do. You might very much wish that it wouldn't do it, but at least you'll be able to say, Ah, I see. That makes sense. I understand now what my brain is doing to me and how we can stop it. Now perhaps I can be just a little more relaxed about all this. So, try to relax as much as you can and just keep listening to what I want to tell you. My voice goes in through your ears, of course, but ears know nothing. It's your brain that makes sense of this. Your brain is a complicated, hard-working machine and although it's only about 2% of your body weight, it needs 20% of the calories you take in. The human brain is the most complicated device we know of in the universe. It's easy to forget just how remarkable it is because most of what it does is hidden from us. You're not aware of the signals from your ears being analysed in the parts of your brain that respond to sound. Nor do you feel when the results from that stage are passed to the left side of your brain to the region that understands speech. Only after that can the meaning of what I say reach your awareness. There are other characteristics in the sound that almost never reach awareness. Things like whether or not I'm hurrying, whether I sound anxious or rather relaxed. These little cues may not reach your consciousness, but they're very likely to influence how you feel as you listen to me. Just take a moment to check that you're breathing in an unhurried, relaxed way and focus on a few in and out breaths, slowly one way and slowly the other. Breathing is one of those things that can take care of itself, but also you can make yourself conscious of it. We can direct our consciousness like a torch beam. As you consciously direct your awareness to what I'm saying, try to feel an openness, taking in all those unconscious, calming influences. 
unconscious processes are very important and scientists are beginning to unravel quite a lot of the complex ways in which the brain works out what's going on around its owner. Funnily enough, it is the conscious part which, although it feels very straightforward when we experience it, it's actually the most complicated. Science can't yet fully explain how our brains make us conscious. We assume that really simple animals are not conscious as we are. Their less complex brains can nevertheless work out what they need to respond to and course appropriate behaviour. But the animal doesn't know it's doing it. Like a machine, if the creature detects food, its brain sends messages to its muscles so that it moves towards the food. But it doesn't have the brain power to have that continual sense of awareness of itself and surroundings. Animals have evolved, of course. They're not all simple. As they've become more complex, so too have their brains, eventually leading to the human brain. However, as I'll explain, we still retain many of the earlier characteristics. Early in evolution, animals gained an essential ability. They could experience fear. That meant they could recognise a threat and could run away. That's good for little day-to-day -day risks, but for something serious, an animal would need to learn never to get into that dangerous situation again, because it may not get a second chance. We could easily learn to stay safe, but I'm talking about simple animals creatures that can't sit down and think about things. The solution that evolved was neat, but not very sophisticated, because it developed in relatively simple brains, like an antelope might have, say. Imagine one of those grazing on the African plains, and it gets near the edge of its herd, it also sees some bushes nearby and perhaps detects an unfamiliar smell. Suddenly a lion leaps out and the animal has to run for its life. It's very lucky and escapes this time, but it can't afford to run that risk again. What its brain did when it experienced the terror was effectively to take a few snapshots of the situation. Then, in future, if it had an experience that partly matched the scene, too few fellow antelopes nearby perhaps, or seeing some bushes, then the brain could quickly produce the whole picture, including the lion. Of course the animal's frightened by this, so it quickly changes the situation, getting to somewhere safer. We have inherited that system, although because we can think rationally and know how to keep ourselves safe, 
we don't really need it. We cannot know quite what the experience is like for an antelope, but because we have our sense of consciousness, which is separate from what the rest of our brain is doing, it can present us with the scary images, and they feel to us as if they're real. It's as if someone puts a TV outside our window with a scary film and we believe we're watching real events outside. These horrible reliving episodes are called flashbacks. Time for another little exercise. Just relax for a moment and if you're happy with that, close your eyes. Now, imagine that you run an antelope sanctuary. They're lovely animals, and they've got so used to you that they'll feed from your hand. You can stroke them. Look into those big brown eyes and notice how they can slightly swivel their ears to catch sounds. Enjoy that for a moment. Feeding and stroking. Just try to picture it. There's just one antelope that isn't so tame. It's a nervy, jumpy animal because it's been traumatised by something before you rescued it. Anything startles the poor animal. It looks so scared. But you persist in being especially kind to it. Very very gentle and soothing. You speak softly and bring its favourite food. Perhaps you discover it loves lettuce, so you bring it a whole one as a special treat, and it ventures close enough to eat it from your hand. Little by little it's learning that it no longer needs terrifying reminders of danger, it's learning that its world is safe now. After that little breakthrough, you can leave your antelopes for now and allow yourself to feel a little more alert again. I want you to try to stay calm, breathing gently, but being in the present. I'm sure you saw the parallels between yourself and that poor antelope. We will explore those parallels shortly, but I don't want you slipping into nasty flashbacks to your own trauma if we can avoid it. The message I do want you to pick up straight away is that kindness and gentleness are what you need too, not just from those around you, but from you to yourself. The clever, evolved human part of your brain must show understanding to that simpler part, the region which hasn't evolved much since the antelope acquired it. There's a frequent little dilemma in an animal's life. Should it advance or should it retreat? For example, if it comes across a new area of countryside that's not familiar, what should it do? 
On the one hand, this could be the land of opportunities, lots of food or a mate perhaps. On the other hand, it doesn't know what predators might lurk there, and neither does it know the escape routes and hiding places. So, does it proceed or stay with the familiar? That depends on the circumstances, including the animal's natural disposition, its genes. But how it sets about its actions is determined by its brain. Way back in evolution, animals like us, the ones with two halves to their brains, started to use the left side more for advance and the right for retreat. The left was good at learning patterns in the environment, so that for a given situation the animal had a well-practiced response, because in that situation everything would feel familiar and the animal could continue behaving as normal. If something unfamiliar happened, for which there was no automatic response, then the right side of the brain would become more involved. Not just to start a retreat, but to help find some new response that might work. Once again, we have inherited a good deal of that, with our left hemispheres taking care of what we might call the easy logical things, while the right comes to the fore when a situation becomes perplexing. The right is the side of the brain which more readily detaches from the apparent facts of a situation and thinks outside the box, as they say. If you were able to picture the antelopes easily, you were probably making a lot of use of your right hemisphere because you were ignoring the fact that in reality there were no antelopes present. Because hypnosis makes a lot of use of visualising and imagining, it is very much associated with activity in the right side of the brain. Also, because that side is active when things are frightening, people with PTSD generally have more active right hemispheres. With hypnosis and PTSD both associated with the right side of the brain, you'll not be surprised that most people who have PTSD find it quite easy to get into the relaxing state of hypnosis with its ability to make imaginations feel vivid. It might be a good time to get you fully relaxed again. But first, let's just take stock and see what's best for you. The first question I ask you is whether what we have done so far caused you any distress. If you found yourself thinking about things that have happened to you in the past and as a result became very anxious and upset then this is not for you. You really do need one-to-one -one help, so must contact the person who spoke to you when you were given these recordings. They will help you with your next step. If you found it a bit difficult to get relaxed 
and conjure up images of antelopes. Then go back and run through that section again. Similarly, if you're not sure that you're ready to move on just yet, then going back a few times and practicing is the thing to do. You can spread your practice over several days. Lastly, if you have found this helpful so far, if you don't feel distressed and you feel ready to take another little step, then you can keep listening to the next section. If that is not you, then please let yourself have the sense of coming fully back to the here and now. Take a deep breath. If your eyes are not open, then open them now and look around you, fully alert. You can now turn off or rewind the recording as you please. If you are still listening at this stage, I assume that you're happy to go on to the next step. Remember that you can stop at any time. You're listening because you've had a difficult time and inevitably you will be a bit fragile. If you find that letting go and relaxing too much makes you feel insecure or you get some distressing images, then please just open your eyes, look around at your surroundings and stop listening. Just turn off and get in touch with the person who spoke to you when you were first given these recordings. Now, just take some nice, long, slow breaths in and out. And as you do so, try to relax all over. You might find it works nicely to let your muscles go floppy each time you breathe out. It's easy to keep a bit of tension somewhere without noticing it. Around the shoulders is a common place. Just check yourself over and see if there are any muscles that are tense when they don't really need to be doing anything. Having your fingers clenched, for example. Just relax. Now, Go back and visit those antelopes again. Take yourself there. Go and see where they are. Perhaps they're all in their barn. Or maybe they're lined up along the fence waiting for you. You'd better give them something nice to eat to make their wait worthwhile. They're vegetarians, of course, so all sorts of things could work. Perhaps you've got a box with a whole variety. Donkeys love carrots, but I don't think those grow on the African savannah, so the antelopes have never seen one before. Doesn't mean they won't like them, though. Could turn out to be a special treat. They all find something they like, and they all look so calm and contented. They don't keep looking over their shoulders for danger. There's no haunted look in their eyes. You just hear happy munching, 
crunching and chewing. And look, the one that was so timid is now getting to be the closest to you. I think there could be a special bond between you two. In fact, why stand with a fence between you? Why not open the gate and go into the paddock with them? There, they appreciate that. They all gather around you with that special one very near. It's wonderful to be able to be so close to an animal that in the wild would run a mile to get away from a human. On top of that, these were all traumatised in one way or another. Yet now they see you not simply as safe, but their friend. You have achieved that, even with the frightened one. As they watch you with those soft brown eyes and nuzzle you with their noses, it feels as if they sense that you are one of them. You have had your trauma too. You helped them through theirs, now they want to help you. It's a lovely day, warm and sunny and relaxing. There's a gentle breeze, just enough to rustle leaves and to stop it feeling too hot. It's a bit warm for standing around, though. Isn't there a nice grassy bank where it would be nice to sit? There are one or two trees there, too, so you could sit in the sun or in the shade, whichever you prefer. Go and make yourself really comfortable and relax. All the antelope follow, of course, and they settle down too. They're ungulates like sheep and cows, and that means they chew the cud. After that nice food you gave them, there's nothing they like better than to get the weight off their legs and just chew. To look at them all around you, you'd think they'd all got chewing gum. It feels so nice to be permitted to sit with them, part of their little herd. And that special one sits very close, so that you can stroke it. Little by little, the sun's going down, and one by one, the animals finish chewing. One by one, they get up and walk over to the lake to drink. Perhaps they'll just graze a little before sleeping, or maybe they'll just go straight to the barn to find that warm hay and get their heads down. They look at you as they leave, as if they're thinking, hope they come back tomorrow. I don't think that's just because you bring them food. They give you something too. You feel so much better for your visit, more serene. 
a sense that you've just spent a wonderful period of time an interlude when there was nothing to worry about. You can take that feeling with you and you can come back and renew the feeling as often as you like. But just now, it's time to make your way unhurriedly to the gate. Of course, the special one comes with you to say a special goodbye. When you leave your field, you feel yourself gently coming back through the levels, all the way to the here and now, and bringing with you that lovely sense of having been immersed in tranquility. Back you come, lighter and lighter, all the way to the here and now. You feel yourself become bright and alert, and your eyes want to open, and here you are. If you found that little experience helpful, it's one you should practice often. Play it to yourself on a daily basis. However, you don't have to be listening to me to go there. If at some point one day you feel that life is getting difficult and you don't have the recording to hand, try to make space just to close your eyes and be back with the antelopes. When you feel better, then just bring yourself back again. You don't need to hear me telling you to come back. Of course, you shouldn't try anything like this while driving, say. Some people may feel that these exercises are sufficient to support them while their minds heal themselves. Many others may find the material comforting, but feel that they need something more if they are to get completely better. This is the point where it really would be appropriate to have more personalised therapy, something that's designed for you, taking into account your own particular experiences. So, Please get back in touch with the person you spoke to originally at the British Society of Clinical and Academic Hypnosis. Goodbye and good luck.